0: Sometimes life can throw you a sucker punch. It could just knock the wind from your sails. You have a choice at that moment. How are you going to get through it? You can sit and you can cry. You can complain or you can reflect and try to find the good in it. And sometimes that's really hard. But, you know, there's a verse and it says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. See, joy is something that is so much more than laughter. There's actually power behind it. My guest is Rob Cassia. He's an author, and he actually faced something so difficult, which is the big C, cancer. But he wrote a book called 40 Doors, Overcoming Fear, Hopelessness, and a Big Ugly Tumor with Joy. And I am so excited to have him share some of his stories and, of course, his brilliant Humor with you guys today on Touch by Prayer. So, thank you so much, Rob. Thank you for coming on Touch by Prayer. It's such an honor to have you.
1: Oh Same here. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm so glad to be with you.
0: Well, you know, so glad to be
1: anywhere, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny because um, you you write these super funny little like quirky things about your your two dogs and your cat and you actually give them dialogue and it's one of the funniest thing especially if you're a dog owner which I am I, but my my uh coworker is a cat owner so we can both find like something similar in between you know reading your little post and they're just so brilliant you just have such a a, a quick wit and such a, a great sense of humor
1: I appreciate that, um, although I've been recently threatened uh, with getting sued by my dogs because they're <laughs> the ones who usually come up with this stuff, and then I, I take credit for it, and they've kind of had it about that. So,
0: Well, you know, it, it's very funny because um, if if dogs actually, you know, could audibly speak, honestly, what you write is what they would say, <laughs> and that's the fun part of it.
1: I think anybody who has a dog or a cat, they can see it in their faces. They know, or as you know with a cat, it's kind of in their claws on your throat. They, you know, what they want. So it's not too hard to put that down in dialogue. It it has helped me a lot. Even when I did get sick, um, they know. You know, they they know when you're hurting. They know what you're going through. They feel it, and they wouldn't leave my side. And they were snuggled up with me and just trying to take care of me. <laughs> um, and I've appreciated them my whole life, and, uh, you know, we've had dogs since I was a little little kid, and they all just have different personalities, but they know yours, too, and I think God really expresses himself through them. So I, I, love, I love writing um, with them almost, <laughs> but I'm writing these things, it's usually 3 o'clock in the morning because we've just had this little, you know, to-do with them or something, and it's real life. And people know that. And real life can be funny, uh, and as, as well as difficult. And I want to focus sometimes, you know, on the funny, because the difficult gets really difficult. And so they, I think there's just a blessing, you know, when um, we lost, uh, you mentioned you had a border collie mix, and mm-hmm. we did too. Oh, I, I love Jenna. Jenna was my dog. She was, I, I love our dogs now. It's uh, for those who read them, and they're scratching at the door right now, trying to get in, um, it's Maggie and Isabella, and they do uh, all the things we, you know, write about. Uh, they, they're uh, real life <laughs> things, so just uh, with a little bit of a twist. Jenna was my dog, though. She was uh, the, as far as a canine goes, she was my love, and I love border collies, and uh, she was a gold, golden retriever border collie mix, and I lost her. Uh, to an immune disease, and uh, this was before I got sick, and I, when I did get the news that um, lymphoma, uh, God brought this back to me right away. Uh, he had given me a, a dream. You ever have one of those dreams where you know you're dreaming?
0: Yes, absolutely. You know, you're,
1: in, you're, you're really aware in the dream, and this is one of those. And uh, it was a, about a year after uh, Jenna died, And I was standing next to Jesus in the dream. And we're walking down this path in the woods. And he stops and looks at me and smiles. And I hear barking in the dream. And out of the woods runs Jenna and all the other dogs we've had since I was a little kid. And I get down on the ground with them. They're jumping all over the place. They're jumping on Jesus. They're licking and playing and rolling and having a blast. And in the dream, I look up at him and ask, Is this real? I've got tears in my eyes just streaming down because I'm so glad to see them all. And he said, Rob, nothing through which I've shown my love ever really dies. And I woke up. So I don't want to create a theology around that. I'm not going to write that into my Bible. But I know that I know. And God expresses his love through them. And so I enjoy being able to write about him because people experience him in all sorts of ways. And one of them is dogs and cats.
0: Well, you know, and I I agree with you, Rob. I completely agree that that our our canine and our feline and even our birds and anything that we loved because love is never wasted. Love is never wasted. And if we love something, if we pour our hearts and our emotions into um into an animal, why would God just like be like, yeah, no. Because, and you know, was so funny because I was thinking about the show yesterday and I was driving home and I was thinking about, we're going to talk about the, the whole dog and cat thing, but I, I was starting to think, gosh, should we even really talk about that. I believe that, that, um, dogs and cats and animals are in heaven. And All of a sudden the Lord started to bring me right into the beginning of Genesis with Noah. If animals weren't important, why would he have put them on the ark? If he didn't care about them, why would he save them? why would he make sure that they could continue to Absolutely. to to have more he wouldn't do that see because animals have no sin they were born sinless they are creations of his and and there is an yeah. emotion that is attached, our our dogs and our cats and even birds. I mean, I had a bird, we had a bird um, named Gaston because uh, we were big Beauty and the Beast <laughs> fans. But you know, Gaston, he knew, he. well, he was like a, a dog. He would be on the floor yep. when we cut his wings and he would follow me <laughs> from room to room. He would come into the shower with me. He, he And if we were eating pasta, and didn't give some to him. He'd be very upset about it. <laughs> you know, so this was the only, you know, cockatiel that you would see with, like, red stuff around his beak because he loved that's pasta. True. We had to cut it up really teeny tiny for him. But, you know, we love that bird. He was he was like our baby. So, I love it. So yeah. why would God just say, eh, no, nah, that's not important? <laughs> you know Think what I about
1: mean? one of the, the first assignments that Adam got was what? <laughs> to name the, the animals. animals. Yes, and I believe bl- I that's much deeper than just oh, let's call this one a giraffe, you know, or a platypus. It was something uh, really deep and powerful, and he's um, where he's identifying their uh, their characteristics and their their heart and what they're created for. And I think there's something very connective there. And when he says I want you to steward the earth, that was a big, big part of it.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that you bring that up, Rob, because one of the things that God talked to me is he talked about trust. He said, Lisa, yeah. he says, I trust you. And he, so he brought me yeah. right back into Genesis. And he said, just like I trusted Adam, it wasn't God who gave the names. He trusted yeah. Adam to name the yeah. animals. Yeah. Because God could have said, yes, this is this and this is that. And, but he said, no, he wanted, he wanted Adam to do it because That's there right. was a love there was a love, there was a connection that God wanted to give between man and animals.
1: Exactly. I, I believe it was coming out of the overflow. We, we had no idea how long they were there. You know, mm-hmm. Genesis reads like it happened, you know, the next day with the, uh, the two trees and things, but it may have been a long, long time. And that overflow of relationship between uh, you know, Adam and Eve and, and, and the Lord was spilling over into creation in a, in a good way. And as he got to know God, he was able to uh, express that to his surroundings, his environment. And that's what was being created. And that's just amazing to me. That's how he wanted us to steward it. I think after, you know, the fall, uh, we found that we couldn't do that on our own. And there was no way to, to bring that back. And what was part of the, the the deal with the fall? We actually had to slaughter <laughs> animals. Yes. And, and that was... Uh, that, that's, it was in the deep stuff, you know, we could spend hours on that. But when Jesus gave his life and rose again, now you, we get to um, overflow life again. And I, I really believe that. You know, um, we were getting ready for church one morning. Uh, our uh, church we were planting, and uh, we had the back door open, and a, uh, a a bird, a sparrow, flew in the back door. And it was... Uh, Going up and down the room, and we had real big picture windows, and so it was very confused. And I was trying to get out the window, and we're trying to uh, herd the thing back out the door, but it just, you know, was panicking. And it gathered up speed and flew so hard into the window (laughs) that it cracked its neck, and it fell down onto the soundboard, (laughs) not the way you want to start church.
0: (laughs) Yes. My
1: God, are, are you kidding me? is this really, and I was just devastated. Um, I realized, you know, I, I don't have anything against, you know, I'm not, just, you know, I, I like hamburgers, okay? So, <laughs> But um, but I, this little bird, I, I just thought, this is not the way I want to start worship this morning, right under the soundboard, this thing. And I picked it up, and it was, its neck was obviously snapped. It was flopped over uh, my hand, and something, him something it's it's the holy spirit it just kind of goes up inside sometimes you just know you just know that you're supposed to try even if something doesn't work i'm going to love and so i put it and i said both, both, under my other hand those both, both both hands and i started praying i prayed for about 15 minutes and i'm um, i was praying out of fear at first and then then praying out of um almost indignation and then I decided, well, you know what, let me just ask God what he thinks about this and try and agree with what he's saying. And I quieted my heart and I said, Father, I you know what I feel about this. I really I want to see something today. I wanna to, I want life into this little thing. And I heard him whisper, tell him to stand up. And I did. And Lisa, this little bird, popped up in my hand like a little rubber ball, and he puffed his feathers, and I almost dropped him and hurt him again because I was so shocked. And I, my heart started pounding, and my uh, worship team was there, and their mouths were dropped open, and I felt like the Lord said, take him outside and gently put him down. I said, okay, I'll do that. And I put him outside and came back in, and I just got in my face. And about 20 minutes later, um, he said, I want you to get back outside again. I'm like, okay. And I went over, because the bird was still in shock before, and you can imagine being dead, coming back. It's a little shocking. And he's there on the ground, perfectly healthy, and he looks at me, cocks his head, and flies away. It was just like God saying, I just want to let you know he's fine. And all that to say, I just feel like... We have an opportunity every day to overflow life, whether it's to a little bird or your spouse or your children or where you work or to the person in the mirror because we have such a hard time doing mm-hmm. that.
0: Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big one. But, you know, you know what's so cool about that, Rob, is that you got to witness God's love because – and it's funny because Michael King was just on my show last week and yeah. we were talking about raising the debt. So, and and it was funny because you didn't have to ask, Lord, you know, do I have to have permission? Do I need the bird's permission to come back? (laughs) You know, (laughs) it was just like the Lord just said, tell him to stand up. And that was it. It was like, okay. So he just stood up. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. and, And it just shows that God gives us authority to do those things. That he says, if just just listen to what I tell you to do. It's very simple.
1: That is such a big deal. Is I'm still learning that every day. Is agreeing with him, Um, you know, not to pay as much attention to what I'm thinking or how I'm processing this because it's so easy to default back to how how you used to think about things and um, you think you're. uh, You know, all mature and everything, and until something happens and just triggers you, and you act like a nine-year-old again. And uh, so, agreeing with him, stopping, and taking a look at what's around you, saying, "Okay, Father, wait a second. What do you think about this? Who do you want to be in this situation for me?" I'm still learning that, but it's a question I really do ask him all the time. I want to know who he wants to be for me right now in this situation. I want to know who, how he sees me. You know, what am I, what am I doing? Because this world is not easy. We're not. None of us would ever say. Uh, is, you know, to become a Christian and everything's hunky-dory and everything's taken care of, oh my word, no, it's difficult. But that authority coming from love and relationship that grows and grows and grows our our whole life uh, gets stronger and more solid, and the times that you're struggling are much shorter, and you're able to get a hold of who he wants to be and what he's doing, and even if you can't see 10 feet in front of you or two feet in front of you, I know you're with me. I know you're there. You know, when I, when I got sick, it was this moment of, I don't know anything anymore. And I don't know how to process this. And this learning curve of taking his hand saying, okay, we've got to go step by step here. And he's still teaching me that. And I, I love it.
0: Well, let let's just talk about that. You know, the fact that you were diagnosed with a a lymphoma that, and and so you've gotten the big cancer word, which, you know, that's it, pack it up, you know, time to, (laughs) time to go home, you know, decide what you're going to do for, you know, for the next, you know, however long they give you. And it's like, and, and, and that's it, you know, and some people just think that, wow, that's, that's it. You're, that's game over. But gosh, you know, God is so good. He is so good that he can take something that people just think is, well, that's it. And he's like, nope, <laughs> nope, fat lady hasn't sung yet. So let, let's just get through this. I'm just going to help yeah. you get through this. So you wrote this book called 40 Doors. Now Mm -hmm. I have to ask why was it 40 doors? Because what I immediately thought of was just like Jesus was out in the desert for 40 days. So I felt like there were 40 things that you had to open up or go through in order to get your deliverance or your healing or just to, to get through basically.
1: That's that's as good as an explanation as any. Um, You know, as I was, writing it and a lot of it was a uh, compiling what he'd been telling me when you're going through the chemo now I you know some people say why didn't you just get healed well <laughs> you know there's there's different things that we go through that uh, this is where we had peace um, and uh, i would seen so many miracles in my life I've seen people who are completely blind I've never seen I've seen them get healed I've seen People who are completely deaf get, get well. And um, and so, of course, I wanted that miracle, but we I didn't have much time. Um, my, uh, my chiropractor is the one who actually found the cancer. I've been going to another doctor, and he was uh, convinced it was bronchitis for about six months. And I woke up one morning in, a, in incredible pain, and uh, the cancer tumor had, was so big it had actually uh, put a little crack in my sternum. I went to go see my chiropractor to see if he could help, and he said, I'm not touching you. Um, I you to go get an MRI, and he called me a couple hours later and said, I've hooked you up with an oncologist. You're going right now. And there wasn't much time. This thing was a fist-sized lymphoma, and I wanted that miracle right then, um, but he took it a different way. And so it was 625 hours of chemotherapy, um, one of the nastiest ones I've got. To try and kill this thing. And in the the process of, of getting those over, over months, um, he started giving me things to write. And it was frustrating, um, because when I think about writing I think about, you know, big long chapters of stuff and the keynote just kinda of plays with your brain <laughs> and fogs you up a little bit and it's got these little snapshots of stuff like, That's about it, I got a paragraph in me today. And so as I want to compile all this and I realized these are short things, and he said that's what I want. And I had this picture in my head of opening a door to each one of them, like, ah, oh, okay, you're showing me something about yourself every day. And so exactly what you said, um, these were steps or doors or whatever you want to say that he was taking me along the wilderness and uh, just things he was showing me about himself. And there's there's more, uh, there's so many more, but I was uh, I prayed about which ones to. Share, and that's where the book came from. Was my walking with him. Almost everything was written during uh, treatment, or a little bit after. And it was God saying, "I have never left you. I never will leave you. I'm right here. Trust me."
0: Wow. You know, and and like you said, you know, after seeing miracles, we can sometimes be like, "Uh, "Hello." God, you know, (laughs) could could you could you kind of speed up the process a little bit? Um,
1: I I tried everything. Are are you there, God? Is me, Margaret? I tried (laughs) I tried everything.
0: You know, it's funny. I um, I always think of um, there's a a speaker. His name is Nick Voyeck, and he is he was born with no legs, with no arms. He has like a little. Like a little teeny tiny something that he uses so no way no legs no arms and he you know he's out there and he's seeing all these miracles and stuff and and he said to the lord he said lord he goes can't you heal me and so he was taken into a dream and in this dream he said that he was he had arms and he had legs and he was standing and he was so excited and he was standing before jesus and he saw this line of people and he goes he goes Lord, who were who all those people? He goes, those are all the people who didn't hear you and who didn't get to hear your testimony. And so they can't come in. And I was oh, like, wow. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, all right. So he's like, okay, I can deal with this. He says, but I still have a pair of sneakers that are in my closet just in case he changes his mind.
1: <laughs> I love
0: it. Isn't that great? And yeah, you know, yeah, and, and God great. is a good God. He is a good daddy. He's a very good daddy. So I didn't think that that was something... That um that he was saying dangling 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 it in front of Nick's face, saying, "See, if I gave you no. arms and legs, you know, then these people wouldn't be saved." But but see, sometimes you have to when you say, "Here I am, Lord, use me." Unfortunately, you you, you kind of say, "Here I am, Lord, use me," <laughs> you know, and and, he, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. cool, all right, yeah, we can, I can, I can work with this."
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, and exactly. there have been other people, you know, Joyce Meyer, I think, went through cancer. There, there have been a lot mm-hmm. of very famous people who have overcome cancer. I mean, especially the, the, to me, one of the most imp- like powerful testimonies was um, was Joel Osteen's mother, Dodie Osteen, because they basically said, no, nope, that's it. Can't. She's nope, yeah, she's done. Go home. And she, and what happened is, is she felt she got healed like that night because they all came, they all prayed over her. She felt different. She felt she got healed. But the manifestation of healing took a while. It took yeah. a while. So she, it wasn't like a miracle right away kind of healing, but she was healed. And I think in the same way, Rob, I think that as you were going through this process, God was healing you.
1: Of more than just the cancer. Yes. Uh, I, I, you know, I want to be careful how I say this, because... Um, it can be taken the wrong way sometimes, but I know why I got cancer. Yeah, <laughs> it's out there. It's, it's it's been in my family. Uh, I don't. I know people are saying just claim it. I I, I get it. I don't. I prayed over that it's broken my family line. It's done all that. But I I know it's it's been there, and I was going through such a period of self hatred and depression and struggling with the way I was thinking, that I just destroyed my own immune system and I couldn't fight it off. And uh, I've been getting sick with just other, other things too, and that cycle you, you just can't escape from, uh, where you are um, just seeing everything so darkly that you can't change anything, and that self hatred shows up in your body, it just does, and uh, with me it shows up showing up as lymphoma. It wasn't a curse from God. God does not give cancer. He has no cancer to give. But this world is broken, and it it just, it was there. And so when he's beginning to heal me, the the process that I was going through, I needed that process, actually, because it was a mental and emotional one as well. The first day I walked into the cancer center, I expected to find all these really, really sad people. <laughs> and it was amazing. Uh, the staff, of course, they were fantastic. They were amazing but all the patients, all almost everyone, were either laughing or smiling or just incredibly uh, pleasant, and it was baffling to me at first. And as I listened to them over you know, weeks and months, it was understanding that this cancer already has affected me. It might eventually take my life. I'm not going to let it take today. I'm not going to let it run my life today. I'm going to be here and do what I need to do, but it's not going to take over how I think or what I feel. I'm not going to steal my relationships today. It's not going to cloud my heart. It's not going to get to steal my joy. That's when joy started to come together for me. Um, I'm, you know, when we, (laughs) people read the funny stuff or, or whatever. And it's funny if you ever listened to somebody who's like a com a stage comic or something, a stand-up or uh television or whatever, a lot of these people got into comedy because they're trying to deal with, with their, their depression <laughs> and their, their darker side and, and things. And I, I, I think I used humor growing up to kind of deal with the same kind of thing. Um, because, uh, I, I'd always kind of struggled with, um, self-image and, and uh, just always criticizing myself and uh, judging myself and never, never thinking it was good enough uh, for, for anything. And here, I, I really don't have any more choice. I, I, I can't do a thing. I can barely walk. I can, I can barely uh, sleep, get up, do anything. And I had to rely on him so deeply that um, I had to change the way that I, I thought about everything. And once I said, go ahead and do that, because that's what I did. My goodness, I was a pastor, right? Uh, We we are the elite chosen, and uh, you know, I had planted, or helped plant three churches and helped another one grow uh, pretty large, and had um, a very big youth group, all those kinds of things, and you think, oh, yes, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. And yet, you can't stand yourself, and you don't think like God does, and part of it is, is it, even if you don't admit it to yourself, it was kind of a show. And God wanted more for me, and um, so he took this moment that I'd gotten sick and hated myself so much that I uh, allowed that trigger and said, would you please let me walk with you through this? And uh, that process became this whole different way of looking at things. And I'm not the, like joy was not my vocabulary. It, it's, it's, I could do it on Sunday morning kind of thing. I could, I could kind of, uh, perform, uh, for a little while for it, but joy was not my go-to for the spirit. That's for sure. Maybe self-control was the one, um, but joy and peace. No, it, it was not there. And so he said, I want you to make this book all about joy, and I'm like, you're kidding me. Are you are you kidding me? And every day he would have me see things through that lens with him, and seeing things from his perspective. And I know we talk about that all the time, and we we preach that and teach that, and there's books about it, and you know, secular to Christian, but to live that, saying, okay, I'm not going to see this through. Just my circumstances. I'm not going to see this as I used to. I want to see this through you. If joy is a fruit of your Holy Spirit and your Holy Spirit is in me, I I need to know what that's like. I need to know what that means. I can't do this anymore. I cannot live this way anymore. Even if I get well, I cannot do this again. I don't want to go through this again. So, what does this look like? And that's where he started to do that. So it's not. If someone listens to this, going, oh somebody else with the, you know, they're they're all bubbly and joyful. That's the way they grew up. No, I, exact opposite, exact opposite. And so joy is a choice for me every day, every day. It's still a choice to say, no, I'm not going to do that. And sometimes I fail. Sometimes I I don't do it right. Or I, I don't let peace have its way. And, but those moments are so much shorter now and you realize really quick, Wait, that's not you. That's not who I'm supposed to be. That's not who I can be. So God, what do you want to do? And that that's thats what this is all about. I love miracles. Oh, man, do I love miracles. I love the supernatural. I love all this stuff. But when it comes down to it, it's just me and him and the people that I love and how I relate to them. And I really believe when I do get there, he's going to ask me, did you learn to love? And that's going to start with me. That was a hard one. A lot of people listen listeners, to this going, yeah, I, I, I can love everybody else. I just can't love myself. And he wants you to love you the way that he loves you. And that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing transformation. That's where renewing the mind really takes a root. Where suddenly you're able, actually able to see things differently and relate to them differently. So you're not just going through the motions. You're not trying to perform for him. You're not trying to... High enough to get his attention and his approval. You're living from his perspective. You are seated in heavenly places with him, toward the earth. And I'm still getting a handle on what that means.
0: Well, I think we all are. I think that as you start to understand your identity as a son or a daughter, you you start to. First, you have to come out of okay. My parents are my earthly parents, and they have all kinds of stuff, so I can't use them as a role model anymore. So, Lord, you have. Well, oh, to- mine was perfect. I don't know about yours. <laughs> um, yeah, not so much. But that, but they, but but you know, it. It's just because what the Lord really started to to show me was just about like people who are hurt don't, or people who don't have never loved. And it is, as you said, loving yourself, thats I think that's the hardest thing. If you can't love yourself, you can't love others.
1: No. And yet we reject that one really fast. We think, because as soon as we hear that, we think it's not gospel. We think it's, um, you know, some kind of uh, psychological, whatever, manipulating kind of thing. Because people are so accustomed to being hard on themselves and performing and seeing themselves as, as wretched and nothing else. And if we saw ourselves the way that God sees us, we would never be the same. No. We, we, we don't allow that sometimes, and it's, it, that's that's got to change. Well, Even just being willing to say, God, show me the way that you see me. We're so afraid that's going to be horrible. Oh, I hate you. No, he doesn't do that.
0: Well, I think he pulls out our best qualities and shows that right. first. So that Absolutely. we can say, "Oh, yeah, okay, that, yeah, I do that. No, oh, okay, I do that." And it, it's a slow mind shift because that's what he started to deal with yep. me when when he started to work with me and talk with me and started to say things to me. I'm like, "Wait a second, wait, that's in the Bible, but wait, that was about Peter. You can't be me." Mean- I sh- oh I'm so bad. Why am I thinking that that's me? No, that was Peter. That was about Peter. That was about me. But God was saying, "No. No, you are like Peter in that respect in that one verse yeah. that I see Peter in you. You have that same characteristic." So it's like we we start to as we start to let go of ourselves and we let God start to shape us and mold us. I think that's when the changes start to come, and they become permanent changes because as He really um, yeah, starts, right. yep. go ahead. As He starts to show us, we say, "Okay, all right, I'm in." I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Exactly. What were you going to say?
1: No. No, I'm right with you. That's exactly right. Um, that's transformation, and we, I think, have a problem with giving ourselves time. Now, this is a lifelong thing. Like you said, I'm all in. It's 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 for life. Knowing, giving myself permission to keep growing and keep thriving, and knowing it's it's okay. Like what I what I'm saying now. Hopefully, I'm going to know more in five years and in ten years and um, be closer to him. It's it's a it's, it's no different than being married and you uh, you love differently at year one than you do at year 20. But it's deeper and more powerful. It may not be the um, you know, going out to dinner every night, kind of, kind of romantic thing, but it's a, a deeper uh, grace. To, it's a, uh, a deeper respect and honor and joy and a deeper love than you could ever imagine your one. And that's what he's doing with, with us all, so that we don't stay where we were, because what we where we were is not enough to handle now. That's the tragedy I see so many people like what the way that I thought before cancer. Was not enough to get me through cancer. I had to rely on a new way of thinking to to deal with it and my life afterwards. And the same thing with with anything. Um, the way I used to be is not enough for tomorrow. Uh, but he is, and he knows exactly. And sometimes I you know I I think God where are you God where are you God where are you, and he hadn't left me. He's up ahead a few steps, saying, I'm right here. Come come this way. Don't stay where you are in, in, in the way you used to think, in the way that you used to be. I've got something better for you. You're exactly right. He does tell you, this is what I've created you for. This is what you're amazing at. And whatever doesn't line up, you're able to let go of them. You know, He he didn't say the road is is, uh, is narrow because he, he doesn't want many people. <laughs> it, it's, it's a narrow way because we can't take all of our baggage with us. We got to leave it behind to, to go where he's going.
0: I that that's a that's great. I love that. That's a a great analogy because I always thought that the road was narrow, and so we had to follow him closer so we didn't get lost.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. I love it.
0: Yeah. So I'm, but, you know, I I actually want to go back to the place where you you go into, you start your chemo and everybody there is happy. See, I, that's, that's something that's so powerful because even people who are atheists, they still make that choice. Seriously, whether they have God or they don't, they still have to make that mindset because, you know, there was that big book, The Secret. Yeah. And and did you, did you know what the secret was? The secret is it was based on the Bible. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs>
1: I believe a lot of attraction or something, wasn't
0: it? Right. Well, yeah, basically, but it's just so is a man think it's so is he. And then it's also, right. you know, your yeah. words are, have power, you know, you can speak blessings or you can speak cursings. you know, it's like everything yeah. that was in that secret. Cause, my, cause it's, <laughs> you know, there are people like, oh, you need to read this book, the secret. Oh my goodness gracious. And I started to read it. And I'm like, wait a second. This isn't the Bible. Wait, this is in the Bible. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh, so they just took the Bible and they just made it into the secret. <laughs> secret is read the Bible. <laughs> but anyway, um, One of the things that um, that people have to do, I guess, when you when you have that that you know the worst of the worst has come into your path, you have a choice that you could either do it with uh, bitterness, or you can say nope, like you just said, like you were saying earlier. Today I choose joy. Today I'm going to look at my glass half full, not half empty. And it's it's definitely taking that shift, that paradigm shift that. And it changes everything because I do know people who have gone through cancer. And it's funny because, you know, when they're going through cancer, they're so different. And sometimes when they come out of it, it's like, oh, no, they went back. <laughs> because, you know, it's like, well, if there is a God, maybe I'll just be good for this while, you know. <laughs> and it, and, it, and it's like, but it really no. comes down to it, that we we have to, as you were saying before, forgive ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive others. We have to live in a place of, of, of peace and, and just, um, you know, not holding on to the stuff that's bitter. Because it, you know, just like you were saying, the stuff that you were holding on to was making you sick. All exactly. that, that stuff, it, you know, because what, what the Lord started to show me was about when people get into an accident, okay, and there's a major trauma, there are chemicals that are released into the body. Yep, and so every time uh, you have a traumatic event, and you release these things, if there isn't complete healing, that stuff can start to change and to get icky and take on. How many
1: people, how many people do you know that that live in survival mode? Yes, that that live on that you know that negative. Everything could disappear today, so we're just going to hold on to what we've got and survive and scrape by through until the next day. And it is a, it is a mentality and it is chemical as well. Absolutely.
0: And so, you know, but what I believe it's like, even like if you have a lot of anger, I just believe that anger just makes your body function different. I mean, it's, I, I yeah, haven't yeah. actually read that someplace, but it's, it's like this knowing inside. It's like the stuff that God tells us. because um, you know, we'll, we'll go through some verses and we'll say, you know, Make sure that you do this or make sure you do that. Like, okay, the best is um, wives, respect your husbands, you know? And, and husbands, love your wives the way that, that Christ loved the church. So you think about it and you're like, why can't we have love, <laughs> the women? You know, we're good at love. That's the thing. But respect is hard for us. Because if we can do everything, how do we respect somebody? It's a choice. Because we're able to yeah. do the same stuff as a man we were, yep. we were built to, you know, take care of children, take care of house, you know. Now we're working, we're doing all this stuff. So it's like, and I've heard women who say I don't need a man. I don't need no man. But see, that's that respect thing. And then when you look at men, men just want to be respected. So it's like the things that God tells us to do, you know, when he says to forgive quickly, there's a reason for it. There's a reason, yeah. You know, everything that he yeah. has in the Bible, there is a reason. It's not just, you know, let me just control them. No, I want to save them. I want to to get rid of the stuff inside of them that can cause turmoil. Because if you have a wife who doesn't respect mm-hmm. her husband and a husband who doesn't love his wife, there's constant fighting. There's constant problems in the marriage. Yep. So, you know, these are all the, the tools and the things that God wants to do. So, you know, he took you through these, through these step-by-step choices of – of healing, letting go, forgiving yourself, starting to love yourself, which that must that must have been a very interesting process because guys are so they're so cynical about themselves. Like you know, we always women will yep. always joke like, "I take the guy five minutes because they really don't care what they look like." But I, I disagree with that. I think they do. <laughs> I think they do. I think they've just given up.
1: If we didn't, we would never suck our guts in. And if you you cannot walk down the street without seeing somebody. Holding their breath because they're sucking it in so hard, and there's just of course we care, uh, of course we do we don't we don't want to admit it we want to think you know we're uh, beyond that or whatever above that and it, it's, it's just not true. everyone wants to be accepted. everyone wants to be approved of. Um, I think uh, we deal with it differently, but uh, it, it, it was so strong in me that it it helped cause what I went through. Uh, that desire to be approved, uh, to be—you um, know—it's it, not even an ambition to rise above everybody. That kind of thing uh, that that can happen, but it was just a—I uh, want to be—I want to hear well done. And when we hear that in our old nature, uh, it causes us stress and to—we um, work for it. Like we talk about in the fall, you know, you're uh, you're working by the foot of your brow kind of thing. When you hear it as a son or a daughter, um, it's completely different. You are whole and energized, and your assignments are coming from your father, not from your master. There's an amazing verse, and I'm going to wreck it right now. Boy, I think it's Habakkuk. (laughs) Where he says, uh, no longer will you call me master, but you'll call me uh, my husband. And Mm. I will find that, boy, I can't. I'm just hoping one line where it is. I think it's Habakkuk too. Forgive um, me if I'm wrong, but that verse of uh, uh, just that that shift from seeing God only one way. You know, we're, we're this is a big deal for me because uh, during that time he was showing me you've only seen me as a servant. You know, I, I look at him going, okay, yes, sir, yes, sir, and and that's. As part of us that's always there you know paul said i'm a bond servant i'm i have chosen to serve him as this but that's not all you are and jesus said um, no longer do i call you serpents but friends and then he had this revelation of being the bride that's that's uncomfortable And <laughs> it can be uncomfortable for women but even more so for guys and where that level of intimacy is possible and so he has me hanging out in the Psalms, of course, during chemo, but he has me in the Song of Psalms. And uh, going into the wilderness with him and understanding the wilderness in a whole different way where it's not this place of punishment. It's not this place of you screwed up, because that's what we see in the Old Testament. That's what we see in, in Exodus, and then wandering around because they, they were scared or they failed or whatever. And it's different now where that's where he restores you that's where he's at least that's what he's doing with me that's that's where he was um uh healing me because there's a lot of distractions uh in song of songs it says he he's gone down you know when it says where is he where is he well he's gone down uh to his bed of spices and things and like oh well of course that's where he is and when she comes back uh' I think it's the last chapter of song of songs and um Everyone sees her. They, they don't even recognize her. They say, who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on the arm of her beloved? She's been transformed in this presence. And so it was this place of wilderness saying, God, I, I don't care anymore. I want to be transformed. I want to be different. You know, in Song of Songs, she wouldn't go with him at first. She knocked on the door, and said, I'm not, I'm not ready, and all this. And she's just kind of more full of herself. And then she realizes, wait a second, this is, this is that's not what I am. This is not who I am. And she goes to, to find them. And the road is difficult to get beat up. And I, that's what I felt like during chemo. I felt like I had missed him. And he, he had been knocking for me. And not not to, you know, deal with me in, in the way I was accustomed to, but to go with him and transform in a different way. And I wasn't willing. And it cost me. Not because he'd made that happen, just because I didn't go with him. And then when I looked for him again, it was in this place of the wilderness. It was a desert, but it was a joyful place. It was an awesome place to go. Um, during that time, and it's, it's there in the book, it starts the book off, I had another one of those waking dreams. And it was right in, at the beginning of chemo. Um, it was the first round of chemo I was able to do at my, my home, which was, was awesome. I got to do, um, it was 100 hours at a time, and I got to uh, do most of the rounds at home. And I... I fell asleep and yet I knew when I when I had this dream I was fully, fully aware. And I uh was on the ground crying. It was this desert like not not, not the good kind of wilderness i just talked about, but a bad sun it was hot and blowing around. It was black and red sky and you know, volcanoes off in the distance kind of thing, almost like a, a bad sci fi movie. And I hear footsteps, and I know it's him. And I know in this dream that I'm here because I caused it, and I'm blaming myself. So there's that line between acknowledging, you know, sin, acknowledging wrong thinking, and then then going over the line and and you taking the role of God and judging yourself. That's what I was doing in the dream. I was judging myself. And he came over, and in my mind I'm thinking, Why why are you even near me? Just kill me. Just destroy me. I deserve it. And I see his hands reach down, and I know it's him because I see the star. And he lifts me up, and he's got the biggest smile on his face. I can't even describe it. I can't describe it long enough in the book, and I can't describe it long enough in real life. Um, It's just this life-giving smile and this genuine joy. (laughs) And he holds me. He doesn't talk about the cancer. He doesn't talk about anything I was thinking about. He just walks with me and starts talking. And that's what we did during the whole time. And I could see this all the time. I can still see it. And I still walk with him. And uh, near the end of the chemo, I, I had the dream again. <laughs> and I asked him, so where are we going in all this? And he says, don't you know? He said, turn around. And everywhere we had walked had become lush gardens and streams and trees. Wow! So wow. you're transforming the wilderness mm. wherever you go. It's Psalm eighty one, I believe, where um, they they go through the wilderness and, and um, cause rain to come there because they're attracting it.
0: Mm. That's good. Okay, so two things. It's Hosea yeah. two sixteen. Oh, thank you. Oh, and thank it says, "When that day comes," says the Lord, "You will call me my husband instead of my master." That's, that's so beautiful. And I'm, I'm just going to say this, Rob, that as you're talking about this beautiful transformation, the first thing I thought of was the shack. I thought of, I thought of the shack that That he took you to this place that he took you to where you were just, that was it. You were done. You just were beating yourself up. You were condemning yourself. You've put yourself in hell basically is what you did. And so, and we all do that. Because we've, but we've been taught. Now, this is something that I really want to stress. We have been taught that we are no good, that we are sinners, that we don't deserve God. That these are the things, at least as a growing up as a Catholic, that that I was taught, that I would never see the face of God because I'm a sinner. And I better go to that confessional because, oh, my gosh, I got so many sins. But it was like I would go there. I'm like, dude, I confess these things. Like, really? I have to say it again? It's like I have nothing. And it's like if you said nothing, they would be mad at you. You've you've done something. But but, so we've been taught to be sin-focused instead of being free. You know, based on what Jesus did, Jesus took it all at the cross. So, you know, here we have this mentality that has been taught that we've been taught to beat ourselves up. We're we're so quick to condemn ourselves. We're so quick to to judge ourselves. We give everybody else grace, but not ourselves. And if so, we
1: if we treated our children the way that we accuse God of, treat, of treating us, we'd be in jail.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It and and that's I think that sometimes is um that's the bitterness of um, religion. <laughs> I'm sorry to yep. say that, but that is the bitterness. But but this is what I wanted to say is that you know what you were saying about like being um, a son or being a daughter. You know, the Lord really talked to me about that, and it really is you know where it's where in it says in Hosea it says that you will call me that you will not call me um, the Lord. Uh, uh, that what was it? I just forgot it now. <laughs>
1: You'll no longer call master.
0: Yes, you will not call me, you will call me, but you, yeah, you will call me um, husband instead of master. And it's it's very interesting because, see, a master is is not a good word. See, a master, you have to work for. Master, yep. you you have to earn your keep. A master, you can get punished. Master, you can be replaced. But as a son, as a daughter, you do it out of love. You serve out of love. Exactly. So it's, yeah. a, so that's what the Lord's been kind of talking to me about is about, you know, that's why I did the whole, um, I did, just did the conference, uh, a daddy's girl conference. Right. Because he wanted, he said, so many of my daughters don't know how to be daughters because oh, all exactly. they, because all they have is their earthly father who didn't show them how to be a daughter. Right. Because there's something beautiful about being a daughter.
1: Absolutely. So, oh my goodness, of course. Absolutely. And when we hear these assignments come out, because they're still there, you know, God says, go talk to that person. But you see it as, um, you know, where you're just a servant only, then you're doing it only out of obedience to to the Master. And it comes across as very religious. It comes across as very, I have to do this, and there's no peace to it, there's no joy in it. When you hear your Father say, guess what we get to do today? there's a whole different way of looking at this and a whole different life that comes around you.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Absolutely. And Angie and 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 I were just uh, in and out getting a hamburger and um, talking about some of these kinds of things. And the more you talk about him like this as children, the more you can feel him Mm -hmm. and you just stir that up. And the more we were talking, the more I could feel him that it overflowed to the next table where I could start to pick up on things about the person at the next table. And the woman sitting there could feel God for her because I was so full of his joy for me and for Angie that it overflowed. And I could feel for her what he wanted. I could feel her pain. I, I got a, the words in my in my heart that um, she had pain in her feet, in her back. And that was because we were just stirring up that love of Uh, as as his children, Uh, not just as, well, this is what we're supposed to do, so I'll get out my little card, and I'm going to uh, try and make this person say this prayer, and (laughs) hallelujah, they're going to be a a notch on my gun belt here. Uh, No, I could feel his love for this woman, so I I lean over and say, excuse me, I know this is strange, but are you having some problems with your feet and back? And um, she said, uh, okay. Oh, crud. (laughs) I don't speak Spanish, Um, but her daughter was there, and so I got to explain to her daughter what I was feeling, and her daughter got this surprised look on her face, and she said, yes, my mother's having terrible pain in her feet and legs, or feet and back, and I said, would you please interpret me praying for her? And so her daughter got to pray for her, and right there in the middle of it and out, she got healed, because we were just talking about our father as kids
0: that's awesome see now that and it is it's fun and i I do have to say something else rob when you were talking about jesus smiling that's what i always say i've never ever seen him look sad i've never seen him look angry i've only seen him smile with this big ear to ear smile with him laughing with his head thrown back and his head is always thrown back Whenever he's laughing, his head is thrown back, and I can see the the gold in his hair as his hair flows back and yeah. forth. You know, yeah. and and see now that's the thing about the joy. Um, you know, it is God's joy to to share His love for His children. It is God's joy to heal the sick. It is His joy. It is His joy to. Help us become free. It is his joy to tell us who we are as his sons and as his daughters. It's his joy. And you get to, you got to be a part of that today. How cool is that? That you got to share in his joy to, to, it's a,
1: it's, exactly. Go
0: ahead. And, and so no, it's, it's... <laughs> it, it's fun, right? It's really fun.
1: It's, it's beyond fun. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is from Acts 5. Actually, uh, one second. It was a really cool thing. Uh, we were, we were uh, having one of our meetings, and um, how bizarre this sounds, but it, it happened. Um, I opened my Bible, and it had a little gold sparkle on the page. And I could do a long, long story short, but that sparkle got all over my whole Bible and my hands. I touched somebody else, and they got gold sparkles, and some of them were silver, and some of them were multicolored, and it happened for like a whole year, and where people just would, start uh, during worship or whatever, and sparkles would come. I have no idea why, other than God just had a blast. And you talk about throwing your head back laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what was happening. And it wasn't because it was a certain, you know, sign to go do this or that. It was just his pleasure. Anyway, the first page that it went on was Acts 5. And I said, God, why dare you to read it? And it's where Peter and John get released from prison by uh, an angel, and the angel says, now go, and and tell everyone all the words of this life. I've never read it like that before, Um, because the way I read it religiously is, go and speak the gospel. Get up there and start preaching down, and tell them how awful they are and all that. But the angel didn't say that. He he used the word zoe, like life as in creation, back to what we were talking about at the beginning, um, Adam and everybody. Go speak all the words of this life. You are bringing people back to life. You are resurrecting not just body, but soul spirit and, and mind and heart, you're connecting them to him and you're throwing open doors for people to go through and live. I love when people learn how to hear him for themselves. That's what I love doing is equipping them to hear them hear him for themselves and know, yes, this is who he is. This is what he's saying to you. And um, have them uh, equipped to go forth into their life in him. That's just the most amazing thing in the world. And it is as his sons and daughters will
0: get to do that. And I, I think it's such an honor to have somebody, to witness somebody having a God encounter.
1: Oh, isn't it? It's it amazing.
0: Is. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, as a kid, you know, we had that movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind because, you yeah. know, they got to experience something that was so different, so out of this world. But as a son and a daughter, we get to have a God experience of the amazing kind that we get to see people transform before our eyes get to see people get healed sometimes we get to see miracles we get to see legs grow out or eyes open or ears open or humps disappear or tumors fall off like there have been so many different stories and testimonies of just average everyday people who just do incredible extraordinary things because of their relationship with their papa that's right. And, and, and so I just think it's such a, I, I just think, I thank him so much for it because I'm like, daddy, this is like the cool, like that to me, you know, uh, because somebody once said to me that I said, how could I not, how could I not do this? How could I not get to witness somebody meet the father for the first time? In Isn't there such like a difference way? between,
1: I have to go do this, or yeah. else I'm not a good Christian? Oh my goodness, what a difference that is. Yeah. And that's what a joy comes out of naturally, then. It's not something I have to work at. That's where humor comes out of, too, then. It's, it's no longer out of angst. It's out of his pleasure. And... Um, the absurdity of things and the absurdity isn't offending you anymore. It's just saying, Oh, yep, this is crazy. It's crazy. And it's okay. It's all right. And we're able to deal with that really well instead of being totally overwhelmed by it.
0: Absolutely. And you know, and again, going back to the joy, the Lord is my strength. It was when, um, when I first got hit with the joy, I didn't understand it, but I was like a laughing, Mess. I looked like I was drunk. I I, I was at a Voice of the Prophet. I, I think I came into the big room and Randy Clark was up there who was speaking and he was talking about healing and I I came in and I could barely stand and I think I sat on this this very old man's lap at one point because I, I just because he said to me he says I want what you have I said like, okay. <laughs> you know, and so, so, so the Lord gave me this joy and I didn't understand it. I was like, what is this? I said, Lord, is it ever going to leave? He said, nope. I said, never. He goes, nope. I said, okay. Oh. So then I'm like, I got to figure out what this is for. And so, uh, I went on YouTube and I looked up, um, joy, <laughs> God's joy. And I found a Kathy Walters video. And so I sent her an email and it took her three or four months to get back to me. It got lost in the shuffle. But what she wrote back to me is she said, Lisa, she said, joy is an end time weapon of God's. What, What is happening is that your spirit is hooking up with the spirit of the living God who is laughing in victory at the circumstances and you're pulling it back down to earth. When That's I, amazing. when I heard that it changed things because I was really embarrassed because sometimes Rob, I would start praying with people and I'd start giggling <laughs> and I felt, really, <laughs> I felt really bad because I would start, I'd be like, and I'm like, I'm leave. <laughs> and, like and, I, and, I, and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I go, but I think it's a good thing that I'm laughing because apparently God's not scared of this. But that's exactly what it is. So I think that what God was giving you is he's actually giving you an end time weapon. And I think that your laughter... That your sense of humor, that the the things that you are going to, because I see I see so much for you. I see this as like um, you're being shot out of a cannon, but I and I see you laughing all the way. It's almost like I'm hearing jingle bells, laughing all the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know that God is just gonna give you this um, this way of just laughing through life. That you are just it. gonna start like ministering to people and you're almost going to be like Santa Claus because Santa Claus always laughed. Ho, ho, ho. And I just feel like God is just giving you this, this laughter and he's just going to use you to break down some of the stuff because some of the stuff can't just be broken with prayer. And it's just like Heidi Baker, who's known for it when she hugs people, stuff breaks off. I think as you laugh with them, stuff's going to break off.
1: I love it. I'll take it and I'm gonna take that as conversation. I can end Atkins diet, forget
0: it. I'm gonna go to the whole camp of the roof. <laughs> That's, That's it. That's I'm getting a red suit. I'm gonna get just a red suit. Allen, <laughs> thing and just let it go. Right. See? That's right. You don't even have to wait for Santa Claus to fall off of the roof. You can just go just, ahead just roll and
1: roll off myself, yeah.
0: <laughs> this has been so much fun. And I, I just I just thank you so much for being so raw and so real. Because dealing with what you've had to deal with, it, it probably wasn't very easy, but to, to be that authentic, to, to just kind of pour it all out there and just to display it and to write a book about it. I mean, you could have written all this stuff and just kept it for yourself, but to have the, the, the bravery to go ahead and to release it, I just, I just really think it's a testimony of how far God has taken you from a servant to a son. And I just think Thanks it's beautiful. So and I just think that, um, gosh, God, you guys, both you and Andrew, are going to just do such amazing things. I, I really can't wait to hear all the stuff that God's going to do because I just keep hearing, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because it's about to start moving. Yeah.
1: I take it. I receive it. open yeah. the Christmas bag, whatever. And,
0: uh... <laughs> there you go. There you go. So now if people are interested in getting in touch with you, Rob, how do they go about doing that? Because, um, I didn't see any type of a website or is there,
1: you know, uh, I, I really, probably want go back and do, it. I had one a while ago, but, uh, I just find it on Facebook. Okay. And, and my emails on there and, uh, all the contact kind of stuff. And, uh, you can find the book pretty easily there. And, um,
0: and they can also find it uh, through Amazon, correct?
1: Yeah. Uh, Amazon is a place that it's, it's gold and it's, uh, 40 doors and you'll just google that or, or search that amazon and it's right there and it'll be at your house in a few days and um it uh i'm getting ready I'm, I'm working on the next one awesome and uh talking about uh identity a little bit more and i'm really kind of excited about that one so
0: well i think it's going to be a great book because I think that everything that you do is great. I love what you write. I love what you post. I love your humor. Come on, you got to write the dog and cat dialogue book. You, you gotta.
1: I yeah I know yeah, I know I'm working on it with them, but they are such divas. I know. And they just won't, won't all get together and they won't agree. With, yeah. So we the cats kind of holding out for more money, and so we'll we'll work it out once we get there. We'll...
0: Well, it's it, the problem is when they get agents. Once they get agents, you know that that's when it starts to become a bigger ordeal. They're
1: they're, they're listening to this, so be, don't don't say that yet.
0: <laughs> Rob, this has been so much fun. I say they already said, "Yep." You, you, you can hear it? <laughs> I did. I heard them. They go, "Yep, that's right." <laughs> Let's go on, so I just want to say thank you so much for uh for coming on, touch by prayer, thank you so much for for sharing your stuff. This has just been so much fun and and I just think you're awesome. Thank you
1: so much. Lisa. You're
0: amazing. Oh, well, thank you. I hope you guys have been blessed tonight. This has been um, such a great night. If you guys are interested in getting his book, 40 Doors, you can find it on Amazon. You can also reach Rob Koscius, C-O-S-C-I-A on Facebook. You can also find him. He's a friend of mine. So you can definitely look through there. Um, If you guys have any comments and you want to share it, you can always send it to me and I'll make sure that I get it to Rob. So thank you guys for tuning in. I hope this has blessed you. Remember, you are a son and a daughter, not a servant. So just Just remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.